Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. I'm Scotty Conley, a.k.a. Scotty the Body, and this is the Border Podcast with Scotty the Body. For the last 20 years, I've had some type of role in the skateboarding industry, including my time as a sponsored skater, many years working at Skate Park of Tampa, and my current job at the border. So, in the midst of this current pandemic, I decided to start this podcast so I can catch up with some old friends I've met along the way, and we can talk about the past and present with highlights in my beloved hometown of Tampa, Florida. So sit back and enjoy. Yes, yes, we're rocking the body all day, all weekend, our whole lives. Yes, we're back. Whether you like it or not, I'm glad you're listening. I'm going to keep talking. We are here with the Border Podcast. Scotty the Body here with you guys. Can't wait for my next guest. Going to bring him in immediately. He's an OG. He's a very good friend. But like a common theme in most of these podcasts, it's a dude that uh, I looked up to when I was a kid growing up at the skate park of Tampa. And all these dudes from different towns would always be coming through to skate our all ages contests and then eventually Tampa Ams, Tampa Pros. Uh, and then now we're really good friends, man. And uh, as a skater, he was an OG team rider for John Montesi's West Side Skate Shop. And at different times, he has rode for Dogtown, Supernaut, Beer Run. And uh, as a team manager, he has worked for Satori in Santa Cruz, uh, put in a little bit of time with the dudes over at Low Card. Uh, Florida legend for sure. Nowadays, San Francisco legend, uh, all around super hairy man, a master of the heel flip variations. And that's what I got. So let's bring in my main man, Nick Matlin. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Just chilling. All right. You're out in SF doing your thing. You're working on, uh, like commercial sets and like production, production crews and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I showed you the set the other day on the phone. Yeah, it was like a glad uh, plastic plastic uh, Ziploc bag. Yeah, uh, I literally was just stuffing fake garbage in garbage bags for a photo shoot. It's pretty funny. But you do all kinds of work, too. Like, I've seen you do, like, uh, maybe stuff for, like, The Gap and, like, stuff with fashion and, um, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I do uh, – so over at Gap and all their, like, you know, companies under their umbrella, I do uh, – photography assistant so I set up all the lighting build the sets just whatever needs to be done for photographers to shoot whatever we need to get done you know and then I work for a bunch of other random companies here in the city doing their fashion photography stuff and yeah and uh do that seemed like a, uh, that that seemed like it turned into like the uh like the go-to job for skaters in either like SF or New York um oh for sure like the the uh the the go-to job for skaters has, from the 90s has definitely morphed from, like, pizza guy 
and then to valet parking and and now like all these high-end like art handlers like some of my friends in new york are like art handlers that drive yeah. art and uh like 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 you're doing the set design and all that stuff so that's all super cool yeah, those industries cool. are uh those industries are keeping skateboarders on a non-fixed schedule with yeah. a good amount of income where they can still like you know get their time in to skate and try to try to go for it with skating while they're for also sure. you know a little scratch for themselves and they don't have to just sell all their product yeah yeah i started doing before i was doing the set stuff i did event lighting and i was doing that for years and then i kind of just got gradually pushed into sets and then now it just turned into being like only sets you know but i was doing yeah and you're like years like is that stuff union are you in a union yeah i'm a local 16 here in san francisco and basically that means i can just work anywhere i want so like say a movie comes to town and they're like, oh, we have to use union workers, but my friend's the producer, I can be put on that set because I have my union card. And that's pretty much why I have it. I don't work with them very often, but I have it. So I'm not ruled out of any kind of job that's coming up, you know? For sure, for sure. Uh, we always had to use uh, union labor whenever we would build uh, like mini ramps or street courses at ASR in San Diego. Yeah. And uh, dude, that's the biggest trip is seeing those dudes because like like the like the 20 minute break every 30 minutes like is the joke about union right like 30 oh, minute yeah. break every it's 30 like, minutes uh, every two and a half hours we get a 15 minute break and then every five hours we get an hour break but if we don't get those breaks we get like they call it a meal penalty and you end up getting time and a half and you can rack up a lot of money it's it's pretty crazy yeah i just remember those dudes like we'd be like holding braces for a mini ramp like in place like like five people holding up a very heavy portion of a ramp and yeah. uh that that hour that hour and a half or whatever would be up and those dudes would seriously like walk away from the ramp and just walk away without saying a word and just like yep. <laughs> it's kind of funny <laughs> yeah it happens a lot it's it's a big it's kind of a joke out here like we like, I don't work with the union very often, but when I do, I have to follow the rules, you know? Yeah. They're really strict, and they're, they are looking out for the best of you, for you, you know? But it's... Yeah, of course. You no, know, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's pretty funny to have to deal with sometimes. Yeah. Because I'm the exact but, uh, opposite. I want to work and get it done and go home. Exactly. You, know? you want to be there for five hours instead of eight and a half with breaks. Exactly. And still... and. With the job that I do, I get a day rate no matter how long we work for. So if I work uh, six hours, I'm still getting paid for eight. Yeah. So my mentality is let's get it done quick. I want to go skating. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> well, and you can definitely tell you've been uh, doing a whole bunch of skating lately because your Instagram is just going off with a whole bunch of gnarly shit. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. I want to start talking about the uh, – the beginning of Nick Matlin, um, uh, Holiday, Florida. Am I correct? Is where you were, uh, were born, Newport Richie, raised Newport Richie. Okay, yeah, right same, next same to type zone, right there, like but like kind of in the in the Tarpon Springs area. Yeah. So uh, you grew up like in the in the Astro Skate era. Yeah. And and for those that don't know what Astro Skate is, it was a uh, it's actually like a mile from Westside Skate Shop, and it was a roller skating rink 
and I, I'm not sure what year, so maybe you can help me out on that. But they started. I mean, doing, it uh, was going before I even started skating, and I started skating in '87. Uh, so okay, because it was. Cause going I do remember people always talk about like that was like one of the only places in Florida that had a vert ramp, maybe. Yeah, but that wasn't until maybe like '89, '90, maybe. Okay. No, probably no, probably '88. But like I remember when I first started going there, there wasn't a vert ramp, and I started going okay. in uh, '88, and uh, by '89 there was a vert ramp. But like if if you mention like uh, if you mention Astro Skates, to pretty much like any pro from the '80s, they know what you're talking about, right? Yeah, it was the like only was air conditioning skate park in all of Florida, I think. And then and they only put ramps up there like once a week on Saturday nights, right? Yeah, but back in the day, you could go in and skate. The, so they had uh, two mini ramps. There was, like, one by the front and one kind of tucked away by the snack bar in the back by, like, where you okay. go roller skates. And during the week back in the days, you could go there and skate the mini ramps while roller skating was going on. Oh, okay. But it was once a week that they didn't have roller skating on the main floor and they'd bring out ramps. I, I just remember because uh, the first time I ever went there, um, it's probably like a little over an hour from where I was living, maybe like closer to an hour and a half. But uh, we got there and it wasn't a Saturday night, so they were closed. And my yeah. mom, was, my mom was, was, was pretty upset with me on that one. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I found out about it through uh, Mike McGill's skate shop. That's how I first saw skateboarding. My parents had a pet store. Okay. And in the front parking lot was Mike McGill's skate shop. And I was like, it was during the summer. So I had to spend the days, you know, at the pet stop, pet shop with my parents. And uh, there was a demo in the parking lot. And I, it was a Bones Brigade demo. And it was the first time I ever saw skating. And they were literally launching over a car. So was it, it was like Caballero, Hawk. I, I don't even know who was there. I was so young. Oh. I didn't know anything. All I saw oh, you have no clue. skateboarding. They launched over a car, and I was like, wow, I got to do that. Okay. And, and uh, wow, that's crazy. You saw the Bones Brigade as a child, and that was like your first introduction to skateboarding. Mm-hmm. And so, I didn't know uh, what was going on. There was just a big crowd of people, and I, you know, wandered up there as a little kid and was like, holy shit, this is insane. Yeah, and you were probably like, having to clean kennels and, and wash dogs and shit. So the, the skateboarding was probably a, a welcome, nice, uh, refreshing change to what you were doing with your summers. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh, wait. So you said they own a pet store. Were they actually selling dogs and cats or was it just like, no, supplies? it was mainly for, uh, it was mainly birds. Oh, okay. My dad would be, uh, breed birds and then, uh, they'd get exotic birds from deep, you know, from other people that bred them and, my dad would make these, like, we would go out on these boat on uh, my dad's little boat and go find driftwood. And then my dad would bring the driftwood home, sandblast it, and make these crazy bird-like uh, perches and stuff that, like, pet stores would buy. And he, people would so, fly uh, him out, and did, he would build these crazy enclosures in their pet stores and stuff. Okay, so did, uh, did your parents sell John Montesi his bird that's in West Side Skate Shop? No, nah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Because that would be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. <laughs> but all that happened in the same, in like kind of this like little like area that you're talking about, West Side Astro, yeah, uh, <laughs> like Newport Richie, where your parents' pet shop is, yeah. Like 
it's it's all very tight knit like and and all the old florida skaters from like the 80s and 90s always talk about astro and they talk about um like they bring up mcgill skate shop and then was there something called rainbow i never went there i think that was in sarasota but i never got a chance to go there okay i just know there's like like uh ryan clements has shown me like this photo and i can't remember who it was but it's like i think by the time i was like able to drive I don't think it was around anymore. Okay. Yeah, I just I remember like got a chance to go there. Yeah, Ryan has showed me some like photo that's like a famous photo because they had like a, a quarter pipe, like a natural quarter pipe channel that went over a door or something. Yeah. And uh, just like photos on that from the eighties where dudes are just carving it and that he's like, dude, this was the gnarliest thing that happened in Florida at the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, wow. Yeah, that so, place looked really cool, but I never got a chance to go there. Definitely looked insane. All right. Well, uh, so that's how the beginning. And then, uh, like, I remember for a little bit of time, you were posting like a lot of your, 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 either your mom or dad's like OG VHS, uh, footage from your old contests from like when you were a kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. My brother saved all that stuff. And, uh, one of the times when I went home, I just spent one night and I just transferred all the VHSs to my computer. Oh, Larry, how's he doing? He's doing good. He's just chilling. He's taking care of my folks. All right. That's respectable. I just remember one time, like a super long time ago, like it might've even been on like MySpace. Like my, my, uh, my sister hit me up and was like, Hey, do you know this guy? He's, he's, he says his, his brother is your friend. And like, he's trying to talk to me and I'm like, <laughs> Oh, it's a Malin. Oh, he's harmless. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, like I have a couple stories like that with like, uh friends who have found my sisters on different uh dating app like uh my older sister hit me up maybe like a year and a half ago two years ago and was like hey uh do you know a skater named steve durante and i'm just like whoa that's a random name like what what do you know about him and she's like well we matched on a dating app um just doing some research and i'm like yeah like i know who he is i've never met the guy but like we got a lot of mutual friends like yeah that's so funny he, he might be okay small world yeah for sure but uh a lot of people like you said that a lot of people don't know this about you is that you actually rode for like dogtown adventure in like 1989 is that did that come about from from all those contests you were skating as a kid no that just like randomly happened um i don't know i started skating in 87 and by yeah like the middle of 89 i got sponsored i got sponsored because uh so there was a pro contest in St. Pete and like the day after the pro contest, like everybody went to McGill's skate park ah. to skate and I just happened to be there skating. And, uh, I don't know, I, Keith Conkren and Greg, uh, Carol, you know, asked my dad if they could give me stuff. I didn't really know what it was, what it meant to be sponsored or anything. Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, I was like, hell yeah, cool, free stuff. And it ended up being like, you know, really big companies. And I had no clue. I was just like a little clueless kid. And I didn't even know like, oh, I'm sponsored. Like, I'm supposed to film now. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I didn't know anything, you know, it was just like a whole different world. And, I, you know, that lasted about two and a half years. Plus, once street skating came in in 91, like super hard you know, pressure flips, late flips and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do any of that stuff. I could barely skate street. I was just 
pretty much mini ramp and vert, and that was it. I sucked at street, and when street skating was like the thing, like I couldn't keep up. There was no way. And uh, yeah, Dogtown came and did a summer tour, and when they saw I couldn't skate street, you know, pretty much a couple months later, they gave me the call and just said like, we can't give you stuff anymore. And uh-huh. they kind of, you know, and they they explained it to me. Yeah, but I was so little. I was like twelve. I didn't understand. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, what do you mean? I, I don't get it. You know, but it is what it is. And now I understand it. It's just sure. funny. It's like so random, you know. And now yeah. I can only skate street, and I can't really skate vert. I can still skate mini ramp, but it's just funny. It's like the exact opposite of when I was a kid. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, um. Yeah, and then so. Looks like you started skating street and, and figured it the fuck out because uh, by the time uh, Westside Skate Shop was opened here uh, by John Montessi, you were like part of that OG crew of dudes that was like repping Westside. And- yeah, John. Uh, so basically what happened was after they let me go, I kind of just drifted off and, you know, was a little kid until I, you know, didn't really like keep up with skating, just kind of like didn't even think about it. I still skated for fun. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, around 15, I kind of got way back into it because I saw uh, Eastern Exposure. Okay. And, you know, like they did more basic tricks, just going fast and big. And I was like, that's more my style, you know? Yeah. Super relatable skateboarding. Yeah, and that got me super stoked. So I just started skating a ton, and then I finally got my driver's license and was, like, able to drive to decent skate spots and, you know, start going for it. And then uh, eventually I uh, entered a – so I went from skating at 10, 11, 12 years old, sponsored AM contests, to at 16 skating all-ages contests at the skate park at Tampa. Okay. So it's kind of pretty funny, you know. So like you just like started your whole you over. started your career over again. Yeah, basically a complete restart. I had no sponsors whatsoever. Yeah. And then uh I skated the 16 up contest and I won. It was the first contest right. I skated since I would, you know, was 12 years old. And uh I won that contest and I was like, "Whoa, I guess I can do this again, you know?" Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh you know, maybe about a year, year and a half later, I uh, I called up Greg Carroll out of the blue and just was kind of explaining to him, like, what was going on. And, you know, I'm really trying to get back into skating, but my family can't afford to help me anymore because times were tough then. Yeah. And Greg Carroll sent me uh, just whatever I needed. He sent me think boards, ventures, like whatever I needed to skate. He hooked me up with for like the first year I was getting back into it. So, uh, dude, Greg Carroll was always solid. I actually, uh, maybe one of the first years I announced Tampa Pro, I announced it with, with Greg Carroll, and I was, like, keeping, keeping time, and it was me, Greg Carroll, and Schaefer. And, yeah, and, I mean, I didn't talk to him for years, and I called him out of the blue, and he was like, whatever you need, Nick, we got you. Let's get you going. And uh, I rode for Venture for, like, 13 years after that again. That's dope. And then Montesi basically uh, – sat me down at Astro Skate, you know, it was just like, look, I got my shop now. I think you're ready. Like, let's work together. I'll help you. And, uh, you know, ever since then, John did everything for me. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be 
anywhere right now. Nice. So did you uh, did you actually work the counter at Westside, or were you just one of the one of the riders? Um, I would work there occasionally. Like if I needed money to go on a trip, like I would work okay. there for a few weeks, and then like go travel for a month, and then come back. And if you know he needed me, I worked for a couple more weeks and do the same. You know. Nice. And so uh, Westside Skate Shop, the OG crew, uh, dudes like Mike Rosa, uh, John Buchanan, one of my Seriously, one of my favorite local heroes of all time, Mike Bonomo. Oh um, yeah, Bonomo is the shit, dude. You'd be you'd be surprised how often that dude's name gets gets brought up. Yeah, I grew um, up skating with him. There was a skate park in Palm. Har well, it was a skate shop in Palm Harbor, and it was called Suits and Sales. But they had a little street course in the back, and that's where like Bonomo would skate, uh, Jet Davis. Like oh, that kind of crew, and uh, I would go there a bunch. That place was cool. Yeah, and then can't forget about Uncle Bob, Bob Lavoy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bobby's um, funny. Some other famous West Side uh, alumni: Danny Renaud, Ryan Nix, Phil Lajanski. Yep. All great skaters, great homies. Uh, I mean, if it wasn't things. for uh, like Dango and Mike uh, Rosa yeah. and those guys, like yeah. Because when I was 16, I didn't really, like, know anybody skating anymore. And I met those guys yeah. at the skate park at Tampa. And, uh, you know, I was fucking up and wasn't going to school and just doing dumb shit. And, you know, Newport Ritchie, what goes on there, it's not a good place. And uh, Yeah, you can uh, go downhill very fast. Yeah, so I was going downhill. And uh, Rosa and those guys just kind of, like, took me in and took me to Orlando. And I would stay with Rosa and his family for like months. Oh, nice. And, Dude, uh, I, just, I actually just saw Mike Rosa in Miami like a month and a half ago, man. And it's like, dude, I probably hadn't seen him in over 10 years. So I was. Yeah. He's the same dude. He looks exactly the same. He hasn't aged at all. That's crazy. Dude, He still looks 22. Yeah. His hair hasn't grown an inch. Nah. Or change color. Yeah. He's got the dreadlock mullet. Yes. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, man, like all those dudes, th that whole crew would always be at the all ages, uh, contest at skate park at Tampa when I was growing up at that place. And just dudes that like Bonomo had the, the best, like hard flips of that era that like, oh, yeah. the hard flips can, and the switch can, hard flips and the switch front side flips. Types of ways. like, didn't they, they were like, didn't really flip, but they were, but oh, they didn't even get close to shit. flipping, but the way he did them looks so sick. Yes. And, uh, dude, just like I have vivid memories of, of that whole squad at like all ages contests. You were always super, super consistent. I remember, um, every heel flip variation in a run, like you would go back and forth on the two bank ramps and just do front side heel flip, go back, varial heel flip, go back, laser flip, go back. Like, and, and just, you, you would just rattle off the, the heel flip variations. And then you would probably end it with like a heel flip indie to flat over the pyramid. And yeah, it's funny. I back then, like my kickflips sucked. I would like kick mob. Yeah. And I, I don't know for some reason it just didn't work back then. But um, heel flips worked perfect. And then eventually I figured out the flick of the kickflip, and then I was able to do everything else. Yeah. Well, I, I was always a heel flip guy too. So like growing up and seeing you, I was like, all right, heel flips are tight. Like, all right. Yeah, I, I always I, liked I Ed Templeton, and like he always yes heel flips. Yes, so I don't need to, like, heel flip shame myself. But, uh, dude, okay, so 
one of the first times I like the first video part I saw with you was a uh, rider's block. And I'm pretty sure that was like the OG West side video, right? Yeah, that was my first real, uh, like video part I ever had. And, uh, for, for you listeners out there, uh, rider's block was filmed by Joe Perrin, of course, from uh, last of the Mohicans fame. He filmed all the West side videos pretty much. Yeah. That um, was, that was Joe's, uh, second video. I believe the first one was abstract. Oh, you're right. Yes. But that was not a West Side video. No, it just had a little West Side section. Yes. But uh, I went to the premiere of Rider's Block. It was like at a little like dump of like a like a movie theater that had a bar inside it. Oh, yeah. It had like the dining and everything. Yeah. John yeah. Loved yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was cool, man. I, I remember driving out there and uh, going to that video. I was, and um, Pat Steiner actually wants to know if you picked the Sonic Youth song for that part. I did. For sure. You picked that. And so you are definitely a fan of the Sonic Youth. Yeah, I love Sonic Youth. All right. Well, yeah, there I you picked that. Song There's your answer for I that. mean, Joe, you know, Joe is into it too, but I, yeah, you know, yeah. One of the, um, like, I probably gave him like three or four songs, but that was definitely the one that, like, we chose together, you know? And uh, that was definitely the era where I would, like, uh, like, watch a skate video and, and get hooked on one song, and then you'd actually have to, like, it was before like credits and like YouTube credits and all that stuff. And you actually had to like figure out who sang the song and then figure out like where to get it at the, which record store actually had it because like online purchasing wasn't really a thing. Yeah. I can't even tell you how we got the song to put in the video. Like I don't remember. Well, I mean, you definitely didn't get the rights or do it legally. No, no. But I mean, <laughs> like, I can't even remember like if I gave Joe a tape, if it was a CD, like I have no clue like how we got that song. All right. And then, uh, so is this around the same time as the, uh, the, the famous, like, I just always remember Nick Matlin in the green geo Metro. Oh yeah. My parents' car. Yeah. They gave me that car when they got a new car and I rode the, I rode that thing to death. Dude. I just remember you, you telling me like it was under a hundred bucks in gas to go round trip to Philly. Yeah. That car cost, I mean, back then the like gas well, was like a dollar ten a gallon like yeah the, the combination of that and just the fact that those like uh those four speed like manual cars will just get like 50 miles to the gallon yeah yeah rosa also had the little ford fiesta and we would drive that to philly a lot too and uh oh those those cars would, right there like when i was delivering pizza and uh really like making money off my vehicle yeah i was, I was actively searching for a 89 ford fiesta yeah, or, much or a Volkswagen Rabbit. Yeah, like dude, we drove that car like, back and forth from Philly so many times. It was insane. And, and then, uh, like, those trips to Philly, like, uh, whenever I try to get ready for these episodes, I just go back and just, like, uh, put your name into the, the old YouTube search and, and watch a bunch of old videos. So yeah. today I was watching a shitload. You have a shitload of old Philadelphia footage. Um, it's all, like shit nobody's ever done in philly like just because they don't have the hot feet that you do to do like you yeah. honestly might have the quickest feet ever in skateboarding um I you mean, don't have to say it i just did i so, just uh, like i would approach spots differently because i couldn't do the like super like i could you know get tech on some ledges and stuff but for me yeah I kind of like to go to spots and just try to figure out a way to skate them that no one else thought about. And I could do a little bit of easier tricks, 
but it was more creative and i i thought that would stand out more than just like hitting two ledges you know well it definitely did uh the the point got across that you got the fastest feet in skating so uh wanted to talk about a couple like specific tricks from the fast feet uh particularly the boing 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 part from a video in the good life yes in the good life um just that part uh where where did that idea come from with like the springs and the sound effects i mean i had no clue joe was gonna do that i didn't even see my part or know that existed until the premiere oh shit okay uh, well, there you go. That's the answer to that one. Yeah, Joey, um, he did all that on his own. Also, uh, watching all your old footage, I think you might have been actually. You're gonna have to help me off this and see, t- but you might have been the first person to ollie the uh, like the amphitheater gap in in downtown Tampa. As far as I know, I'm the first person to ollie it. Someone okay, else might have done it, but I'm pretty sure I had the first like the first footage to come out of the ollie there. And that's dude, probably that's, the biggest thing I've ever ollied. Dude, that's sick. Because uh, that thing just got brought up again on a, like, I follow this Instagram page, Tampa Skateboarding. Yeah. And it just posts a bunch of old footage from Tampa. And, oh, my God. That's when uh, there was a tray flipped it. It's fucking bonkers. Dude, that was nuts. And he, like, nolly healed it. He fronts. I watched him frontside yeah, flip he, it, like, he in, in real that. life. Mike Espinosa was the best jumper I have ever seen in my life. Like that dude, dude, he could do more faker. He should have had a full blown skate career, and it's just yeah. like a shame that it didn't work out. And he I can probably give had the backstory on like what happened because I was his team manager, like kind of when he split from skating. And uh, the I don't know, man. The call to him to let him go from think was like the worst call of my life. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's uh, that's an, like an unfortunate situation that has to happen I mean, dude, when you take those jobs, when you take those um, types of jobs. Imagine calling someone to kick them off and on the same phone call, they tell you that they got their girlfriend pregnant. Oh, geez. And you're like, oh, dude, congrats. But like, I have to let you go and you're not going to get paid anymore. Yeah, that's that's uh, unfortunately, that's some of the things because when you get a T when when Obviously, when you get a TM job, like you have that power to put guys on, and you're gonna put on your homies, like yeah. And so the homies that you're putting on are like the same homies that, unfortunately, sometimes you got to kick off. So that yeah, I, I definitely uh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, that that sucked, but definitely want to shout out Noza because he was so fucking sick. Dude, I just never he understood probably, why he couldn't have like got on something even bigger, you know, but. Yeah. He, at the time, he was, you know, he he knocked up his girlfriend, and real life happens, and you know, you're not making money from skateboarding, and you got a kid coming, you gotta, you yeah, out shit quick. Okay, so you were TMing for Think for a bit, right? That, yeah. So I started out like, you know, team managing for Westside. Yep. And then from Westside. Uh, I got asked to team manage for high grade distribution, which was uh, at the time it was Satori, Creation Skateboards, and Yellow Brand Skateboards. Okay. And that was my first like official team manager job for not like a skate shop. Yeah. And that was super cool, and it, it gave me a reason to, uh, you know, move back to California because at the time 
I was living in Miami, but I was like, I was already like at that point where I was like, okay, skateboarding's over. I'm not making money. I need to do something. Okay. It was, and luckily that something ended up being team managing or who, I don't even know. I might have just ended up back in Newport Ritchie cutting down trees with my family. Like, fuck. Ah, jeez. But <laughs> yeah. uh, um, before the team managing, you did ride for two companies that I really was a fan of uh, growing up. Um, I think I might actually send a tape one time to Supernaut to try to, like, get some boards. I don't think anything ever happened. But I was, I was such a big fan of Supernaut. Uh, yeah. Which was weird because I was really into Supernaut and iPath for a while, but I hated like reggae music and like Rasta culture and like I wasn't into any of that stuff. Yeah, I was just into the way these dudes skated. Like I was really into Paul Sharp. Yeah. I really liked that dude Aaron Vandenbalk. Yeah, because I, I was like a Tilt Mode fan as well. So like those two dudes like crossed over into Tilt Mode. And yeah, uh, Supernaut came about from uh, Nick Halkius. He knew those guys. Okay, and, and it was like uh, Matt Hales, Matt Rodriguez. Um, yeah, Carlos Young for a while. The uh, yeah, Trevor uh, Prescott, all those guys. Who who now? Trevor Prescott. Oh, dude, I was gonna ask about him, man. I I, I had that uh, coming up, talking about San Francisco, but yeah, um, Trevor's the shit, dude. Super not even had Cairo Foster for a little bit, like when he was yeah. Am, which yeah, was, was super sick. Before, he got on before I got there. Yeah, like a little bit before real. Like I always thought that uh, Infinite uh, Momentum video was a really solid video. And then yeah. uh, you had a part in the Urban Canvas video. Yeah. Which was like getting super tech. And you were talking – it's funny how you talk about how you, you couldn't keep up as a street skater because you couldn't do like pressure flips and late flips and you just weren't tech enough. But in that video, you do like a 5-0 uh, front shove late flip out, which was like a very fucking 90s move to do. For sure. At that, and so it looks like uh, you surpassed everybody. Like, but that wasn't like uh, the the trending tricks of the time when you were riding for yeah. Supernaut. But you were doing the stuff more tech than the people who were more tech than you that kind of forced you out the first time. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I just, you know, it, it took me five years to figure out street skating, you know? Yeah. I basically started, you know, from – doing the mini ramp thing and then like barely skating street to like basically starting skating over again skateboarding a change the complete 180 that like you know it's yeah starting fresh it was crazy and then uh for a short while because i think this company was pretty short-lived but you rode for the unbelievers yeah dude i love dude scott Bourne. i loved that dude growing up man um so that was cool to see when he did a company was uh Oh, what's his name? Was Jeremy Fish doing artwork for that, right? Yeah, it was him and Scott Bourne's company. And yeah. he threw Supernaut. So when Supernaut went under, they just moved me over to Unbelievers. Oh, okay. But before, like, Supernaut, I was getting flowed from uh, – Dave Dern was hooking me up, and I was getting media boards. All right. And then uh, I eventually – my progression part came out, and they had a booth at ASR – Oh, I watched that uh, today, progression part. And uh, Jeff Kendall saw my part and hit me up to ride for Santa Cruz. So I oh. actually rode for Santa Cruz for about six months. And uh, what had happened is uh, I was living with Tyrone Olsen in San Diego, and they had the ASR there. 
And I think me and Tyrone kind of like wild out a little too hard at one of the ASR parties. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, about a month later, they kicked me off Santa Cruz and they kicked Tyrone off of Crux. Oh, geez. Yeah. But the way they kicked me off was so funny because this is before email or anything yep. like that. I literally asked for a box and a week later, I got a letter in the mail. Oh, well, at least you didn't get a, uh, a box with a boot in it like Ed Templeton would send to guys. That would be hilarious. I wish that like, was that. I, I've heard, I've heard dudes got like dudes would hit up, get a box and then they send them a box with just a boot in it. Right. Actually, like, my yep. first, my first real sponsor back besides Venture was actually Action Shoes. Dude, I was gonna, I was gonna ask about, I, I was gonna ask about Action because that's a, uh, it seems like when I'm talking about all these companies, I say, oh, I love that company. This company was my favorite. I, I grew up loving this company, but. I really did. I loved all of like so much about skateboarding. Like when you like skateboarding in the nineties and early two thousands, like it's a complete opposite of what it is now. Like every yeah. company was awesome and was bringing something awesome to the table because there weren't a lot of companies because you couldn't just like wake up in the morning and decide like, oh, I want to start a skateboard company. And then you have one started by the end of the day. Yeah. Like, back then it took a lot of research to figure out how the hell you're going to get product made. And there wasn't a lot of places to get it made. Yeah, and like every, I feel like like there weren't a lot of companies, so every company kind of had their niche and their like, their their guys and like their yeah you know dudes that they sold to. So like, uh, yeah. So you know, I, I liked Action because they they fucked with everybody. Like they had Kareem yeah. Campbell as the main guy, but dude, they had Eric Ellington and Brian Anderson, who I like when Misled Youth came out and and Eric Ellington was doing what he was doing like skating gnarly handrails and being super punk rock, but in actions, like yeah, I just love that shit. And, and that directly, that indirectly pretty much directly led to me, like buying a lot of action shoes at that time. Yeah. Just because like, On, obviously, and again, guy, that's, uh... you know, like obviously guy and Gino were the fucking best and Kareem yeah. was a fucking legend, but dude, they also had these like, like, Matt Milligan and Neil Mims and, and yeah. Ken Gale and like, and then Ellington and then just like Ellington and, and Brian Anderson. And then Brian Anderson was just so, so big in actions were like kind of chunky, like beefy shoes that they looked like they were made for, for BA. Yeah. I mean, that, that came about from Montesi again, you know, like I filmed a sponsor me tape, John sent it straight to Kareem and, oh. uh, Kareem yeah. called my parents' house and I hung up on him. <laughs> I, I thought it was a fucking joke. You, yeah. you know, hey, this is Kareem Campbell. I was like, yeah, right. Fucking click. You know, then he calls back and he's like, no, this is really Kareem Campbell. I got your tape from Montessi. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. I, I still thought it was a joke, but, you know, I did send a tape to him. Yeah. So, I, you know, he's like, I want to give you shoes. We got you. We're going to pay you. Like, you're in. I was like, you're fucking kidding me, you know? Yeah. And uh, a week later, I got the biggest box of fucking action you could ever imagine. It was like 15 pairs of shoes, a whole nother box of just gear. Yeah. You know, like a $200 paycheck. Like, I was in heaven. Oh, nice. Fucking crazy. And uh, real quick to go back to Unbelievers, did you ever get a board? Like a, so, a pro board for any of these companies? Or was one so day I had a Supernaut board. You had a Supernaut board? I had a Supernaut board that was about to drop. It was printed. 
Um, so what happened was, so back then, you know, like, they'd be like, we're to turn you pro, fucking skate pro contest. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I skated Slam City Jam and a couple other things. And then the demise of Supernaut was they got a bad batch of veneer, like a hundred grand worth of veneer. And it was fucking terrible. And the boards were breaking like toothpicks. And their boards were fucking insanely good. And they never broke. Yeah, I mean, because I, at, at the time, at the time, I remember it was a major selling point that they were not, they, they were pressing boards one at a time. They were not. Yeah, one at a time, dude. Every board felt press. the same. Yeah. Like, I remember that was a huge selling point, like uh, being a shop employee. And I was like, dude, these boards are strong because they're made one at a time. Like these boards yeah. over here. They put them in a rack of 10 and make the shape. You see, like, yeah. all four of these boards are supposed to have the same shape. Stand on them. They're all different. Look yeah. at these two boards that are supposed – look at these four boards that are supposed to have the yeah, same so shape. Yeah, those, so those boards were the shit. So what happened was they made fucking 100 grand worth of fucking boards, right? Yeah. They start snapping like crazy, and they couldn't figure out – you know, what was the bad veneer? What was the good veneer? Because it was all mixed together when they pressed the boards. Yeah. So basically, they didn't have another hundred grand, $150,000 to drop to make a whole nother yeah. batch of boards. That, that mistake put them out. Yeah, but they still had Unbelievers. And Unbelievers was pressed the next batch with the good veneer. So the Unbelievers stuff was perfect. So unbelievers yeah. carried on, but they couldn't invest the money. It was a small company yeah. in making Supernaut again. So they just moved me over to unbelievers. And then uh, I never had a board from them, but they did support me and they were great. And just getting free shit with Jeremy Fish's art was like ridiculous. Yeah, of course, man. I have like a couple uh, like vintage, uh, like silly pink bunny stickers that he did the art on. Yeah. And, uh, dude, they're, they're awesome. Oh, dude, I have tons of unbelievers and super not stuff saved i'm a pack really guy. wow yeah. i'd like to see that next time i'm out in san francisco yeah i have i probably have about three or four hundred boards saved oh three or four hundred how do you keep them in that apart where do you, uh, you i guess you have a storage unit right no i have a so in my closet there's probably a stack almost all the way to the ceiling of just oh wow boards and then under my bed there's probably like 15 more boxes of like old school reissues and original boards and then all right in my other closet there's you know another five or six boxes of just like random i mean i always just kept like if i turned someone pro i kept their first boards if my friends okay. turned pro I yeah kept my friend's first boards if do you I have any of your i'm sorry do you have any of your uh nick matlin supernaut boards i don't actually i have the art for it but i'd never they only printed like a couple of them and uh you know it's kind of like the same thing like with Cairo he doesn't even have his supernaut board cuz it was like they did like a couple test prints and they're probably like in a box in the warehouse somewhere that like god knows who knows you know where it yeah. is yeah like, yeah so like supernaut the factory was a furniture factory at first Okay. And then they started making skateboards and now they're making furniture again and it's ran by the old owner's son. So they still have a collection of stuff there, but I don't think he's selling it. You know, he's probably going to sit on it for a while. All right. But it's all still and there. There's a whole bunch of stuff in that warehouse that people would die for. 
Dude, that's insane. Because uh, you see the dudes like Vintage Sponsor and uh, other dudes out there on Instagram that are just making making good cash selling uh, skate shirts from the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And so uh, speaking of that apartment in SF, um, uh, my, my sister used to live in San Francisco for like 10 years, and I'd always stay with her. And then yeah. uh, as soon as she moved, I was like, scrambling like looking for because like i would just like on a whim like plan a trip to sf and go and so i planned one and then i forgot i guess i forgot or just forgot about the fact that she moved and i was like fuck i don't have anywhere to stay and so i just started hitting up people and you were one of the first people that was just like yeah of course i got you like when's your flight come in like i'll, I'll pick you up and i'm and uh if you've never flown into sfo and know like getting from the airport to the city is kind of a fucking mission so and it was one that I never had to do because my sister always picked me up from the airport. Yeah. So I was super appreciative that out of all my times coming to SF, I think I only had to actually had to like take the bar or take a taxi maybe one or two times. And uh, yeah, I mean, I it's super, like a $60 cab ride from the airport to the city. Yeah, I did that. I, I did that one one time and, and uh, was just like, dude, it can't be that much. And, and it was so, um, <laughs> I'm just super appreciative uh you were like always just like hell yeah let me know when you'll be here like you got it like and then dude you would pick me up from the airport with the joint lit like just ready to go straight to a skate spot straight to your house like uh one time like i would be sharing the living room with like 80s joe because he he when he first moved to san francisco he was like sleeping in his van and yeah, uh, we always so, try to help everybody put them up for as long as we can yeah, of course. That's the skater way. And uh, so I just remember good times in your living room with just Simpsons, Simpsons DVDs and mm -hmm. uh, the elliptical. Yeah. And uh, just a huge batch of the crispiest, most beautiful San Francisco nuggets you could ever get your hands on. And yeah, I mean, luckily, my wife is just really fucking cool and really supportive of everything that I do. So. Dude, she's always been rad. She's always been rad. Shout out to Denise. Um, yeah, dude, they, they always support the homies. And, and uh, you know, and uh, I got to eat at her restaurant a couple times that she worked at. And she would always hook oh, yeah. it up. And, uh, yeah, man, like, shout out to that apartment. Uh, You're still here. Dude, you told me because uh, they can't raise the rent, right? Yeah, I mean, we've been in the same apartment for 12 years or 11 years or something yeah and you're paying the same you're paying the same rent that you paid on day one right uh no they raised the rent uh we have rent control so in san francisco they can only raise your rent two percent a year oh okay so my apartment basically we moved in it was like 1500 bucks and now it's 1700 bucks oh but the must same apartment tough. must be tough the same apartment uh, like a so we have an open apartment right now in my building. It's the same exact apartment as mine. They want twenty eight hundred. Yeah, and that's seen, that's like apartment. you. So you've seen like the whole uh, the whole uh, transition of San Francisco, like and now it's like tech, uh, soup like way way more expensive than it used to be. I mean, dude, um, my neighborhood went from like, don't walk this way you're going to get robbed and shot to yeah. now it's just like a yuppie white person, nice restaurant zone. Well, I mean, and you're, you're also like two or three blocks from like Alamo square, right? Yeah. 
which is uh, of course, if you if the the houses from Full House, the painted yeah. ladies, uh, yeah. those famous houses that uh, white people have been taking their photos, jumping in front of for yeah. twenty five years. And I mean, even that park, like back in the day, like you wouldn't go there at night. You, you get robbed, you know. Okay. But now people go there at night and have picnics. You're like, dude, you guys are yeah. crazy. Like back in the yeah. day, you would not step foot in here at night. And so. Uh, so yeah you were like definitely the old guard like from the old like kind of the old guard san francisco like uh you def you remember when third and army was called the new spot yeah like that was one of the well, like maybe my second or third time out to san francisco like i remember like dude we got a new spot we got a new spot it's the new the new mm -hmm. spot like get on this bus and take it to the end and they're just yeah. like oh okay and then when we saw it we were like oh this spot because it we had it had like footage maybe just drops from it and it was just like holy shit like yeah i remember the first time i came here that, i think that was the first place we went and that was like okay maybe 99 2000 yep that sounds about At right that time we were all like living in la and uh we would drive up here a bunch and it was like me and buchanan rosa josh dowd jared branningham um wow they all had an apartment in LA and we would just like crash out there and the DNA apartment uh, sounds like, yeah, pretty much. And, uh, Buchanan would have the DNA van and the gas card and we could just go anywhere and skate as long as we were skating and filming. They didn't care oh. what we were doing. Hell yeah. And, uh, and so you meant, so, and then while you were in SF, one of the couple of the times I came out, um, when I stayed with you, you were working at low card. How did how did that come about? Like, uh... um, my wife was really good friends with Rob, and uh, okay, you know, I was. It was like, so I worked for Satori for about two years, and then uh, I quit over there. I didn't really know what I was gonna do, and then Tony Vitello hit me up to work at Think, and so I went and worked at Think for about a year and a half, two years again, and uh, after that, I didn't really know what I was gonna do. But Rob was like, "Hey, we could help use help here with some sales and marketing and like." you know, just like advertising stuff, like, you know, just whatever. I'd just go there and do whatever it was needed, call advertisers, help get yeah. help get stuff for the magazines, gather all the photos and videos and just whatever needed to be done, you know? Yeah. And I did that for a while. And uh, that's about the time, that was probably about 2010. And that's about the time that uh, me and John started doing Paradise. So me and John, I did Paradise out of Low Card too. Oh, I completely forgot about Paradise Wheels. Yeah, hell yeah. And we did that for about four years. And uh, that was really fun. But, it, you know, it got to a point where it was just too much work for me. And I was doing it all by myself, basically. Like, John would do the invoicing and billing. Yeah. And, you know, all the creative stuff was basically left up to me. And I just send all my ideas over to this guy, Noah, and Noah would lay everything out. Yeah, I just remember I was super bummed because we actually had it. Uh, we had it set up to do a Shaquifa wheel yeah. with Paradise. Yeah, and that idiot called me trying to sue us and you. Yeah, this, this idiot in Atlanta. I don't even want to give him the, the clout of knowing that uh, he was mentioned on this. But, yeah, a real clown tried to uh, – threatened legal action over my use of the booty as yeah, a graphic okay. claiming it violated his copyrights, but it, that was quickly handled. But yeah. by the time it all got handled, paradise was gone. 
yeah, we just decided to stop doing it. And, uh, you know, during that time I was starting to do my like event lighting work and, uh, I just kind of just got really deep into that. And I would, yeah, you know, it was kind of, it, it took me by surprise. I didn't know that like in event lighting, I could work 10 days a month and make more money than I was making skateboarding and have more time to skate. So yeah kind of flip my whole like mentality of work before you know skateboarders don't want to work but it kind of flipped it all and i was like i could work 10 days and go travel for fucking two weeks and be totally fine on money like yeah you know? and then uh so you, you mentioned earlier uh trevor prescott like you rode with him uh you were teammates with him on supernaut and then uh i watched your part from seasons one today which yeah. was uh, Trevor Prescott's video series seasons. Yep. Um, how, so I, I'm, I'm assuming you were very, very close with Trevor. Yeah, I was super close with Trevor and, uh, he was, you know, my go-to guy to skate with out here and film and hang out. And I spent a lot of time with him and when he passed away, that was like devastating. Yeah. I never actually, uh, got to meet, meet the guy, but, um, just all like I always will hear stories or shout outs and just like, yeah, I mean, always he, say, like he looked out for the positive. underdogs. He didn't care who you skated for. Like, yeah. Any of that stuff. If he liked your skating, he wanted to film you and that's all he cared about. And he just knew every spot out here. He knew where everything was. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, definitely looks like it. Cause he's, I mean, he's filming whole videos just in San Francisco yeah and uh so yeah it makes sense that he would he would actually know everything and then um yeah rest in peace trevor prescott we miss you man shit yeah and i you know it, it was just out of nowhere super crazy we don't even really know the whole story like what caused it yeah you know but uh carlos young like went to like so we couldn't find him for a couple of days like no one heard from him and uh Carlos Young like went to go to his house to check up on him like hey we haven't heard from Trevor like I wonder if he's okay is he sick you know whatever yeah and uh when he got to Trevor's house his door was just cracked open just like the slightest bit and Carlos just said he had like the gnarliest feeling oh he just called the police he was like I'm not going in yeah and when the police got there they found him and you know like we really never got a cause of death it wasn't like a violent thing or like you know, it wasn't like anything, anyone did anything to him. It was a natural cause, but we don't really know what it was. It wasn't really talked about. Yeah. That's always tough when, uh, when stuff like that happens and there's people that just are ready to get over it, but they just want an answer. And yeah. And I was supposed to like, this is right before I was moving to San Francisco and me and Trevor were like already looking for apartments and everything. So it was like Aww. super crazy, you know? Yeah. And I was living in Miami at the time and I was, you know, just thinking about coming back to SF and trying to figure out what to do with my life. And I was just going to come out to SF and work at Supernaut, you know, like, let me do yeah. sales. Like, I just need to make enough money to like skate some rent, you know? Yeah. But uh, that never happened because I got the Satori job. So after I got the Satori job, I just worked there. All right. So, uh, so you're definitely, uh, like I said, the, the old guard in San Francisco, like 
OG during like the early 2000s. But then also like you, you hung around and and we're still skating a lot, filming video parts, had a part in the Dango video, Dango is dead. Uh, and then definitely, I, I feel like helped definitely bring in like the new guard, like and showing those dudes the way with guys like Yanni Cruz, uh, like Della Torre. Um, yeah. Like the, the new the new cast of like West Side Kids and then yeah, and I mean, expanding we, down to the to the MIA kids. I mean, and, I was one of the first people to hire Ryan Gershell to come on a filming trip. And that's you know? I was just I was just gonna shout out the that your your appearances in the OG like uh, GX one thousand edits that were featured on Slap like before it even got to Thrasher and before it even became like this whole movement. Uh, like you were eating that golden coffee with those dudes. Yeah, I mean, we got Del Torre and Ryan and all those guys to move out here. Yeah, and dude, thank you for that because the 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 magic that uh, Garcelle has captured in San Francisco is like some of the some of the best skating from dudes that uh, definitely don't get enough shine. Yeah, for sure. Because um, that's dude, the hill the hill hill skating is like the for me it's like the gnarliest form of skating. Uh, uh, it it is like I I've only been hurt a few times out here like where I've had to go to the hospital for some slams. Yeah. And ninety eight percent of the time it's cause I slam going down a hill. Yeah, dude. I like, uh, dude. I took I I can still feel two gnarly slams I took hill bombing from when I was young. Just not even looking at the hill first and just pushing and just like. Uh, I think – is Kearney, like, a super gnarly one? Uh, I believe so. There's, like, some gnarly parts on Kearney, I think, that I might have ate shit on. I do remember bombing a hill one time and getting to the bottom of the hill, and it was, like, construction and a bunch of, like, freshly laid tar. Yeah, that's the thing out here is uh, the roads are so old and construction. Like, if you're not familiar with the hills you're going down – most likely you're going to hit a crater in the road, soft pavement, like yeah, those metal thing, the metal plates on the ground where they do construction. Like you have to know, you know, what's coming up. And that's what those guys do. And the, the GX guys, they'll walk down those hills before they bomb them. And oh, dude, you can definitely tell those dudes are like very tactical and have a you – know, And they'll here. have guys for blocks. Yeah. Making sure when that guy gets to that intersection, no cars are coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they time the lights and time everything. And yeah. you can tell those dudes have it down down pat, which is super cool to see, too. Like, ten dudes, like, are responsible for uh, one guy doing a smith grind on a ledge and oh. the filmer filming it, and then they are they're seriously have the gnarliest uh, hill bomb for the next, you know, half a mile. And yeah, crazy. ten dudes down the road for the next half a mile making sure every single thing is lining up correctly for these dudes. Yeah. And I definitely, I'm not out of Thalming Hills at all anymore. You said you're not doing it? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm a little too, I, I can't run out that fast. I'm not Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I'll take the mellow. I take the mellow. Like if I'm skating to work now, like I'm not bombing the fast hill to work. I'm going a couple blocks over and taking the more mellow one. Yeah, yeah, dude. I just remember one time, uh, like, I hit the tar at the bottom of the hill, probably grinded 
on both of my forearms for probably like 20 feet, mm -hmm. um, got up and both of my arms were completely black from the tar. And yeah. so I had gotten scat, like obviously like it broke the skin and then had tar like implanted in my skin. And oh, uh, we I were like on our way. There happened to be like a huge demo at Wallenberg that day. And they like set up ramps in the, in the, the courtyard at Wallenberg. And then there was like, they had a bank ramp set up to where it was like a step up. Yeah, so I remember that. that. So I, so I eat shit. Both my hands are completely, both my arms are like completely black. And I'm like a 19 year old kid from Tampa. And I fucking show up and start trying to boneless Wallenberg <laughs> with my front hand too. Like not even a correct boneless, like front hand boneless. I'm trying, I'm just hucking it down Wallenberg. Bean plant boneless, yes. And people are just like, who the fuck is this guy? And I had known Mickey Reyes at the time just from, from being in Tampa and him coming to the contest. Yeah. And he came up, and I don't know if he, like, tried to stop me from trying or, like, was just like, what the fuck are you doing, kid? And, like, look at your arms. What what did you do on the way here? And I'm just uh -huh. like, dude, you have no clue, man. Like, oh, yeah. Back then, uh, you know, if you were doing something weird or, you know, people thought of – didn't want to see it. They let you know. Yeah. And especially in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. And I might've even had my sleeves cut off. Cause I was like Baker two G kid at the time. And <laughs> you just did not do that in San Francisco because no, San, no. Francisco San Francisco was, was not Bakerland. No, like, it was like, re it was like, and it goes back to what I was saying about every single company had their fit and their niche. And like, so it, and it, and it ended up being regional. So, like, you had, like, the L.A. guys were, like, girl chocolate, but still from SF because there was a holdover from SF from the yep. B before all those dudes moved to L.A. And then it was just, like, yeah, these are the New York guys, and they rep the New York companies. And it's, like, dude, I was in Florida, like, trying to be from L.A., but in SF, like, skating like I was trying to be from L.A., but it was yeah. just a crazy mix, and it didn't mesh well. And I could tell I was kind of, like, I think I, I think I was like, could tell I was like not doing the right thing in that situation. So I stopped, but Busanitz was there killing it. I remember distinctly like Marcos McBride was there or Marcus, not Marcos, Marcus McBride yeah. was there just like destroying it. And yep. then, um, yeah, man, vivid, strong memories about SF. You're yeah, still out there. I like probably seven and watch those guys skate and just be like, Holy oh, shit. I would do that because I sucked at manual tricks, but I would go, I, I seriously watched down and, and would see like Carl Watson, Rob Welsh, uh, Marcus McBride and Marcus, yeah. McBride, Marcus McBride would skate, uh, do tricks over the blocks. Like it was a board, like standing on, on its trucks. Like yeah, he's that he's, easy. He's so good. He would roll up and warm up on those blocks. Ollie 180 back 180 switch, Ollie switch 180 half cab kickflip. Like, and then every single time he was trying something full speed on the ledge after it. And yeah, he had, I'll always remember like those sessions and those, those guys out there. And then like the yeah. first time Henry I went to Sanchez. like, yeah, well, I don't think I, I saw Henry Sanchez at that Wallenberg demo and he almost got in a fight mm -hmm. because uh, he tried to trick up that step up and kicked his board out. And then he was going to grab his board and somebody else just comes full fucking speed. And it was definitely not a local, uh, because the way Henry fucking got in the dude's face and was just like, oh, dude, dude you need to. He tried to fight John Buchanan at Third and Army because 
John Buchanan waved his arms in the background of this footage. Oh, okay. It's pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like par for the course for, for Henry. Yeah. But, he uh, always, yeah, dude. He was a hitter. He was hit or miss. Like, you'd see him, he'd be super cool. Or if he was having a bad day, yeah, he's going to make sure his bad day affected your day. <laughs> all right. And then, so, all this time spent in San Francisco, I will say, you are ripping harder now, more than you ever had in your life. Like, the footage you're putting on Instagram, just having fun skating with the homie Zach Gonzalez, uh, just skating those ledges. And, dude, you're seriously getting more technical now than you ever have, skating smoother now than you ever have, and it's super refreshing to see because how old are you now, boss? I'm 41. 40, okay, so I'll be 42 next month. I always picture yourself, like, much older than me, but you're not really too much, like three or four years older than me. Um, Yeah, I'll be 42 next month. Okay, that's six. And, dude, like – with all this ripping, have you ever um, maybe got a call from an old sponsor or a homie that has a company with like, hey, man, like, you, you still want to go pro? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, not really. I mean, everyone's just like reaching out to me, you know, like, if you need anything to skate, just let us know. Yeah, because you're you know, you've like, been like on some uh, Danny Fuenzalita, like, new trick a day shit for a while now. Like, I just it just makes it I just want to like do different and new shit that I I just don't have fun doing the same tricks and over and over again so yeah yeah. like my kind of fun is like can I do this trick I've never done it can I do it you know yeah because it's like snowballs from there and I'll like learn like cavalarial back tail and I'll be like okay well I landed that can I shove out for sure I can try shove and then oh okay, I did a shove. Maybe I can big spin. And all right, I can big spin out. Can I kick flip? That's <laughs> you know? sick. That's sick because for a while, like you had a couple of video parts where it seemed just like, all right, like Matlin is happy. Just like, you know, doing some wall rides and some uh, hitting some hills and some banks and like, you know, hitting some weird spots and just kind of doing like the, the hot foot thing. Um, I mean, I kind of lost motivation for a long time i still skated a lot but i yeah I just, it wasn't there to like i didn't want to try like i just wanted to have fun and fuck around and i wasn't sure. like, trying and i worked in the skate industry for so long that when you work around skating 24 7 like sometimes the last thing you want to do is try on your skateboard yeah you just want to you know back to a bank but like after you know uh santa cruz ended and I just started working in production again. It, it kind of like yeah. made me appreciate skateboarding. And I don't know what happened this year, but like at the beginning of the year, I just started like trying new things and it just kept going and going and going and it's just working. Yeah. I don't really know why or how, but it's just. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned when, uh, when, when Santa Cruz ended, so you, Rode for Santa Cruz for a brief moment in time, you said, and then you were uh, the TM for for a brief moment in time. Yeah, that was like 15 years later. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's just crazy to see like different things come full circle. Yeah, and, uh, it's definitely funny. And Santa for Cruz, sure. was great. they treated me great. They let me do pretty much whatever I thought was beneficial for the team. They'd tell me to go for it. 
Yeah, and uh, dude, you can tell that those dudes that the dudes at Santa Cruz are just all about hooking up their team because those dudes are like not this year just because of COVID, but last year, year before, you could tell those dudes were like seriously putting some miles on the road, traveling yeah. the world. Like, I mean, they out- they gave me a great travel budget, fucking so do whatever we needed to make whatever happen. Yeah, and and, they, uh, and you know they let me go, which is fine. And yeah, you know. They really took care of me. They weren't like, hey, you know, we have to let you go. See you later. They were, you know, sat me down, gave me the reasons. All good. Not mad. But they yeah. also said, here's a severance package to help you transfer back into your old work. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. It's always yeah. nice. So they, they hooked me up with enough money to pay my bills for the next couple months so I could transition back into doing my production stuff. All right. And uh, so that almost wraps it up, man. We're back in SF. Uh, Nick's working on production crews, uh, skating harder than ever, skating more than ever, skating better than ever. Um, I'll, I'll say you're pro for Shaquifa, for sure. Um, I mean, I do have some stuff in the works. I have a board coming out for Westside. Oh, dope. And the, Oh, I wanted to ask uh, – Surfboards, skateboards. Oh, yeah, 80s Joe. Okay, so that is 80s. That's sick. That's 80s Joe, but we do have a little brand that's going to – we're going to have some boards, and we've had T-shirts and stuff called Truck Co. brand or Truck Brand Co. And it's just like a little, like, goofy company. You know, like, a lot of our friends have these little pickup trucks. So it's Uh, just like an inside joke that kind of turned into, like, hey, Joe is like, we're going to make some shirts, and, you know, now we're going to make some boards. you know, it's it's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So look out for the, look out for the Nick Matlin. Look out for the Nick Matlin West Side board. I know yeah, I, I will definitely board, uh, drop with the board next month. Oh, sick! I will definitely uh, line up outside of West Side Skate Shop like it's a Jordan release. <laughs> um, it'll go right up on my board wall next to my nice. Dango board that I have. The original uh, when Dango. Dude, remember when they. When Westside turned Dango Pro and he skated mm-hmm. Tampa Pro. <laughs> yeah, totally. That, that was, was awesome. Uh, actually, I'm going to put Dango on the notes here for a future episode. Oh, dude, you definitely got to. I love how uh, doing an episode like this and then it just brings back a whole bunch I mean, of super good memories. With Montesi. Oh, of course, of course. Montesi's on the list. Boom. Put him on there. And, uh, Dude, with that all being said, Nick, I love you, man. Uh, dude, great to, to talk to you for a little bit. Can't wait to see you again some somewhere on earth after all this settles down. Right. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your wife, Denise. Shout out to her for, for being a strong woman that supports a skateboarder. It's a tough job. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm going to, I'm trying to get my fiance to be a guest on here sometime and she'll tell you all about the, uh, trials and tribulations of living with somebody like me. Um, I know I don't make it easy. Uh, Oh, I know my wife has to tolerate a lot from me. Yes, of course. So shout out to the wives and girlfriends out there making it, making it easier for us to do what we do and enjoy the lives that we live and do the things that we do. So with all that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you, Nick Matlin. No Thank problem. you, San Francisco, for the memories. Thank you, Skate Park of Tampa, for the memories. 
Brian Schaefer, I'm calling you out. I emailed you. I want you to be on here. Hit me up. Yeah, he's got a good story. Um, all these stories are about you and the building you created and the scene you created, man. Come on yeah. here, please. Let's do this. Um, wrapping it up. Last time wrapping it up. I probably said that at least five times, but <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I just got my stats uh, and I'm doing better than I was 10 episodes ago. So that means people are listening. Shout out to all you guys. Um, yeah, keep liking it. Keep subscribing. Keep doing all that stuff you're supposed to do on social media. Keep listening. And I love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Bye.